I was sort of packed away coming in, seeing Brother Moore and all of them here on the platform, the friends that I've known for so many years. It's certainly a privilege to see them here tonight. I feel kind of small to stand here and speak with such theologians behind me. And uh, uh, maybe they'll correct me when I'm wrong. I hope so. <laughs> we are very happy tonight to have a certain person here, Sister Rose. We is coming down uh, with Brother Shores and his assistant today for a little lunch. And on the road down, Brother Williams said that Sister Rose was very sick. And uh, we went in to see her just a moment, knelt down, and she had a high fever and really sick. Just a few words of prayer, and the Lord spoke to us and said, She's going to be healed. He said, She'll be there tomorrow night. And here she is tonight, sitting right here. That's right. Sister Rose, stand up just a minute. So I think we're thankful to the Lord. She's bedfast. She said, that The devil just beat me out of everything. I come over here and then break down with this, uh, some kind of a throat disease and so forth. But the Lord has brought her through. So to that, we're happy. Thanking the dear Lord. Now, we've been having wonderful times, and tomorrow night now we go over to the, the Ramada. And don't forget now, it won't be here tomorrow night. It'll be at the Ramada, and the convention uh, begins the next night. Got to put up with me one more night. <laughs> so last night I uh, went so far off a scale, I kind of made a little promise to myself at the first of the year that I would just go to cut them messages down from three, four, five hours to maybe... Along about 30, 40 minutes. And as I told you last night, my wife commented me Sunday. said, you did real well. So, so uh, and then, of course, I had to come along last night and ruin it. See, about, I was 55 minutes instead of 30 last night. Coming down tonight, Billy said, what are you going to speak on? I said, well, I got a few little notes wrote out here and some scriptures. I don't know some of them. Four or five different messages. I said, I feel, when I get down there and see what's going on, I said, you promise pray for all them sick people? I said, yes, sir. How many cards you got? I said, 200. I said, I better start on them tonight. And uh, he said, now remember, you only get 15 minutes to speak. So you tucked the rest of it up last night. <laughs> but I had to hurry up one. Well, we made a promise to you that we would pray for those people who had prayer cards. And we're, we're obligated to a promise, of course. We can't bring them all through these lines, and neither could I be able to call them individually out in the audience. Even though the Holy Spirit would give it to me, uh, I just can't stand to do it. It's just too much on me. And, uh, but we're all acquainted with those things. We know that God's still God. It isn't that that heals. It's that it only builds faith to let us know that that we're in His presence. And we're going tonight to pray for all those sick people, every one of them. It's got those prayer cards to be prayed for. And then tomorrow night, over at the Ramada, we'll try to give out some more and start praying for them over there. Because I still have tomorrow night, and I think I have one night of the convention, maybe a breakfast also. It depends on how things come out. There's some of the, one of the speakers that never showed up. I, I hasn't as yet, I don't think. Brother Humberger, is that? Hamburger. 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 Cassius Hamburger. So, 
I, I get it all wrong. Uh, that's um, that German name. I, I guess that's German. So um, I may have to kind of pinch hit, as we call it, excuse the expression, for him. So we've been having a wonderful time in the Lord. Oh, to all you, to be some strangers here tonight, we're sure glad to have you in. I trust that the Lord will bless you. I pray that there won't be any sick people in the building when we leave tonight. That our Lord will come down in His great power and will heal all that's sick and afflicted. Here some time ago, I used to take the individuals in on special interviews, some of the hard cases that we couldn't get through. Then it built up so fast that it got to be, the Lord kept blessing it. We got three or four hundred waiting. And so then people get their feelings hurt because that. But wait maybe on that much time, you'd have to wait maybe a year or two so to get into it. See, just in between the meetings to take them on the interviews. And we just sat and wait on the Lord until he told us just exactly the case. There's no doubt there's people sitting here tonight has been on them special interviews. Israel, I see you raise your hands on the special interviews. Yes, there's it. So, and no, that's right. We just wait to see what the Lord would say, what that case. And then I had to stop that here some time ago, I told Billy that we couldn't have any more private interviews. See, I, I, I just passed 25 recently, yeah. second time, and way up towards the third time. <laughs> so uh, uh, as you get a little older, why you don't, uh, you, somebody can't keep up like you used to, your steps shorten, and, and you, of course, Brother Moore don't know anything about that yet. He's, I think we're somewhere around the same age. You, a lot of waters down the river since you and I and Brother Brown come here the first time with Brother Outlaw and Brother Garcia and Brother Fuller. I wonder if that man would be in here tonight. Brother Garcia, Brother Fuller, Brother Outlaw, are they here? Raise up your hands if you are. There. Yes, there's Brother Fuller, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Brother Outlaw over here. Brother Garcia. Uh, I believe, oh, that he left Phoenix. I think that's right. He, he left Phoenix. And he's over in California. Well, certainly grand days. And I still believe the same message I had then. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. I guess that's been about... Well, Becky was a baby. That's about 19 years. And now she's a big old fat, ugly girl sitting out there somewhere. 19 years old. Where are you, Becky? (laughs) Boy, she'll get me for that. I remember packing her in on my arm. I'd sure have a job doing that tonight. <laughs> remember over at Brother Garcia's church one night, she's a little bitty fella, a little, and I said, we have an international meeting tonight. I said, I'm speaking to the Spanish. And I said, my wife here is a German. I said, I'm an Irishman. And I said, and my little girl's an Indian. And that was Becky. So when I went out the back door, there's a little Mexican girl out there said, Brother Branham? I said, yes, honey, what do you want? I said, don't you think your baby is a bit pale to be an Indian? <laughs> She's a blonde, you know, and I said, just an Indian in action. <laughs> well, we're thankful that, to be here again tonight. Now, before we approach the Word, let's approach Him. For He is the Word. When the Word is made manifest, that's Him in you. As we had last night on the seat of discrepancy. Did you appreciate that? The Lord bless you. 
I, I certainly appreciated bringing the message to you. And uh, we see what the seeds are. Now, is there a special request tonight? Just something special. Maybe some of you all that's going to be in this prayer line say, God, be merciful. And I come to be prayed for. Let my faith rise up to meet the conditions. And, and maybe somebody's got a loved one sick. And, and something. Would you just raise your hand so God would just look down and say, now, if that, you don't, how that makes me feel to look there. Just look at the need in here. Minister, brothers, just look at that. See? Now, if it makes me feel that way, what does it do to our Father? Certainly. Now, let us pray. Dear Jesus, we are approaching now the great throne of mercy through this all-sufficient name. For there's no other name given among man whereby we must be saved, but only this name of the Lord Jesus. And we are coming in His name. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that You will receive us tonight as Your believing children. And forgive our unbelief, Lord. Help it tonight that it may uh, be that we will completely believe every word of God tonight for all the things that we have need of. You know what's beneath these hands that's been raised up. There's sickness. Some of them may be domestic troubles. Some of them financial troubles. Some of them are weary. Maybe some backslid, some sinner. Whatever the need is, thou art more than a match for any enemy. So we pray, Lord, that, that tonight that we will recognize that our enemies, everyone has been defeated, even to death itself. And that we are more than conquerors in Him who, who loved us and gave Himself for us, has washed us in His blood. We pray, Lord, that all unbelief, all doubt, all flusterations, all that's unlike God will flee from us tonight. That the Holy Ghost might have the right away in our hearts. May He speak to us in a mysterious ways. May He speak to us in His power. May He resurrect those that are, are spiritually dead. Bring back health to those who are sick and afflicted. Lift up the feeble knees, the wearied hands that's hanging down. May there be a time of rejoicing. May it break forth tonight, Lord, to leave this place to the Ramada Inn and start one of the greatest conventions that's ever been held in this city. Lord, while we're assembled together and pray, you said if the people that are called by my name shall assemble themselves together and pray, then I'll hear from heaven. God, we pray that this will be so tonight. Now, Father, as we read the Word, no one can interpret it but you. You're your own interpreter. And we pray that you'll interpret to us the things that we read tonight. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if many of you like to just mark down scriptures that a minister reads, and I would like for you to, tonight, if you would, to turn to Ephesians. And I was speaking last Sunday on the Ephesians. How that the book of Joshua was the Ephesians of the Old Testament. And how it was a book of redemption. And redemption has two different parts. 
come out of and entering into. First, you have to come out. Some people want to bring the world in with them, but you've got to come out of the world to enter into Christ. You have to come out of unbelief to enter into faith. There cannot be one thing in your way to really have genuine faith. You must absolutely leave everything that's contrary to the Word of God behind to enter into faith. And that was the book of the Ephesians of the Old Testament. Joshua, where Moses represented the law, could not save no one, but grace could. And here, Joshua is the same word like Jesus, Jehovah's Savior. And now, then we find out that we have come to another Ephesians, another Ephesus. Now, where that in our intellectual denominations and so forth, all of our education uh, programs has come to its, uh, its Jordan, then we must have a, an Ephesians again. We must have an Exodus we, to come out and to go into for the rapture. Now, we're going to read tonight from the second chapter of Ephesians. I was just saying that so you could get to the, the spot or the turn to the chapter. You, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversations in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desire of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, has he quickened us together with him, or quickened us together with Christ by grace are ye saved? I want to take from there a few, or part of the, of the verse, but God, the God who is rich in mercy. I want you to notice here uh, the prophet, apostle, rather, Paul, who, um, who, how he made mention of this, how you has he quickened who were once dead. You hath he quickened who were once dead, dead in sin and trespasses, walking after the things of the world, the desire of the flesh, and fulfilling the desire of the mind. Has uh, what caused this change? You see, what caused it from one time being dead to quicken? Quicken means made alive. There was a change from death unto life. There's no, other, there's no other thing that could happen to any person so great as to change him from death to life. A man, if he was dying physically and could be healed physically, that would be a great thing. But nothing so great as when he is spiritually dead and God has quickened him to life. You once in times past dead. 
you were dead, even many here tonight, one time, can look back and know that you were dead. But now, why aren't you dead tonight as you were then? You deserve to be that way because you was a sinner. But God, who is rich in mercy, that's the, that's the thing. God, who was rich, all these things that we were, but God, that made the change right there. God, who is rich in mercy. Oh, I'm so glad for that. That he being rich in mercy, if he was just rich in money, if he was just uh, rich in materials, which he is, but yet the greatest thing is being rich in mercy. Oh, what a great word that is. How that we were once dead. And we're speaking the other night on how the seed must die. And everything around that germ of life must not only die, but rot. If it doesn't rot, it cannot live. And rot is completely done away with. It's finished. And until we get to the place that our own ideas and our own thinking is completely gone and it's rotted away from us, then... The germ of life can begin to live. Now, now we might, I might inject just a little bit of doctrine here that I don't, if you don't believe it, all right, that's just okay. I do believe it. I believe that, that a man, when he's born in this world, that when you're a little baby born into the world, you could not have been here without being the foreknowledge of God. Because he is infinite, and he knows all things. And when that little baby is born into the world, there's something in that baby. If he's ever going to have life, there's a little something in there, in that child, then that he comes to. Sooner or later, that little seed is in him. Now, if you'll take uh, the Scriptures, plainly declare that. Now... If you've got eternal life tonight, if we have eternal life, then we always were because there's only one form of eternal life. We always were. And the reason we were because we are a part of God. And God is the only thing that's eternal. And like as Mel Kazedek received tithes from Abraham... And it was lauded to his great-grandson, Levi, who was yet in the loins of Abraham, paid tithes, for he was yet in the loins of Abraham when he met Melchizedek. I'm going to speak on that or the other place one morning. Who is this Melchizedek? Now, notice that. Way back, God knew this boy coming down. He knowed all things. Now, we are a part of God. You always was. You don't remember it. Because you were only an attribute in God. You were only in His thinking. Your very name. If it ever was on the book of life, it was put there before the foundation of the world. He knew what you were. I'm only saying this not to mix up doctrine, but to straighten it out. That we might get away from this fear and scare. You don't know who you are. 
You are not going to be, but now you are the sons of God. You always were the sons of God. For when God had you in His thinking at the beginning, you have to be some part of you. Your life that's in you now had to be with God before there, well, when he, before He even become material here on earth, before there was anything but God. You were one of His attributes. He knew what your name would be. He knew the color hair you'd have. He knew all about you. The only thing happened is when you being a sinner, many of you can... Can a uh, fellowship with me on this thought? When you was a little boy, a little girl, you'd walk around and there would be certain things that would just, where it wouldn't bother the other kids. It seemed like there was something in you that cried out there was God somewhere, yet you were a sinner. You remember that? Certainly. Now, what was that? That was that little form of life in you then. And then after a while, you heard the gospel. Maybe you went to church, you picked out this and that and went from denomination to denomination. But one day, you being part of God, you had to be part of the Word. And when you heard the Word, you know where you come from. You know what was the truth. You were always, the seed was in you. Always. The Word seen the Word that was in you that was before the foundation of the world, saw the Word, and you come to it. Like my little eagle story. How the little eagle was hatched out under a hen. And the little fellow uh, walked with the chickens. He, the hen clucked, and he didn't understand her clucking. And, and the little chickens, their diet they had in the barnyard, he, he didn't understand that uh, how that they did that, but there was something in him seemed to be different from what that chicken was. There, because at the beginning he was a eagle. That's right. One day his mama come hunting him, and when he heard that scream of the eagle, it was different from the cluck of the hen. And that's the way it is with ever born again believer. You can hear all the theology you want to and all the man-made discrepancy, but when that word flashes out there, then there's something that takes a hold. You come to you who were once dead in sin, that life, has he quickened? There has to be a life there to quicken too first. God, by his foreknowledge, note all things. And we were predestinated to be sons and daughters of God. Ye who were once dead in sin and trespasses, wherein we all had our times past, but hath he quickened. Look at Paul. When Paul was a great theologian, but when he come face to face with that word, Jesus, it quickened, he come to life right quick because he was ordained to be that. The, he was part of the word. And when the word saw the word, it was his nature. All the clucking of the hens in the Orthodox churches didn't have no effect upon him. He had saw the Word. It was part of him. He was an eagle. He wasn't a chicken. He was just in the barnyard with them. But he was an eagle to begin with. I heard a similar little story. I hope it don't sound sacrilegious. About a little duck being born under a hen one time. He couldn't understand. A funny-looking little fellow. Odd guy. 
And he couldn't understand the dust and everything they were playing in the barnyard. But one day the old hen led the little brood out behind the barn, and he got a smell of water. Well, he tuck out towards that water as hard as he could go. Why? He had never been on a pond before. He had never been in the water. But he was a duck to begin with. Only thing you had to do is come to himself. That's the same thing the believer is. There's something in him that when he meets God face to face, he comes to himself. That seed is in him, and it's quickened. My, that's right. And he flies away from the things of the world. They become dead to him. My, remember, we all had our life in the past in those things of the world. But once we got a hold of that real thing, Something that quickened us, a little seed that come to life, and all the things of the world rotted right there. We had no more desire of it. He that's born of God doth not commit sin. The worshiper once purged has no more conscience of sin, no more desire to sin. The sin question's over. You become a part of God in Christ. Christ died to redeem you. Now, just think of all that we would have been if it hadn't been for God. But God, in His rich mercy, how He has redeemed us tonight. Where would we have been tonight if it hadn't been for God's rich mercy upon us? Once the world was so sinful that man had caused corruption to come up on the earth until it even grieved God that He ever made man. The whole head was uh, a putrefied sore, the whole body. And God even grieved that He ever made a man. So He said, I will destroy man who I've created. He will destroy him because he has nothing but just a bunch of corruption. And the whole human race would have been wiped out at that time. But God, rich in mercy would not let the innocent perish with the guilty. And he went away and made a provided way for the ones that wanted to come in, that wanted to do what was right. He made a way of mercy for those who desired mercy. And he prepared an ark. In other words, he uh, put some wings on his eagles that they could fly above the judgment. And not drown with the chickens. But he, uh, he made a way of an escape in the days of Noah. This caused him to do that, to provide it, because he was rich in mercy. But after he has provided a way for people, and then they refuse it. Now, the reason they refuse it is because there's nothing in there to receive it. There's nothing to receive it. My mother used to say you cannot get blood from a turnip because there's no blood in a turnip. So if there is no form of life in there to receive it, then it cannot be received. That's the reason the Pharisees could look right in the face of Jesus and call him Beelzebub. Because there was nothing in them to receive him. But all the Father has given me, he said, will come to me. There's some way it's going to be presented. You can talk to people sometime on the streets. Talk to them about the Lord. They laugh right in your face. Well, we're supposed to do it anyhow. But listen, 
There's no man can come to me except my Father draws him first. God has to do the drawing. There has to be a life, and all that He has given me will come to me. He made a provision for those who wants to be redeemed. He made a provision for those who wants to be healed. And then because that He did this, it makes Him rich in mercy, as He's always been rich in mercy. It must uh, uh, be, if you refuse this, there's nothing left but the judgment, because sin must be judged. Pharaoh, when he went into the, the sea as an impersonator, seeing that he could go in like Moses did, Moses with his army and Pharaoh with his army, both of them should have perished in the sea, it looked like. But God, rich in mercy, made a way of escape for the Hebrew children. Why? Because they were following in the line of duty. They were following in the Word. Now, that's the only way to obtain mercy is to follow the instructions that God has given us to follow Him. That's the only way He can show mercy is when we follow what He said do. There's a little debate not long ago with a minister that said that I was teaching an apostolic doctrine in this day. I believe I spoke of it a night or two ago or sometime about how He said you're trying to inject into this age an apostolic doctrine. He said the apostolic age ceased with the apostles. Now I asked him, well, do you believe the word? He said, yes. I said, Revelations 22, 18 says that who shall ever shall take one word out of this or add one word to it. Not just two words, one word. Take one word out. I said, I believe that. I said, then I can tell you where the apostolic age was given the apostolic blessings was given to the church. Now you tell me where God taken it out of the church by the word. You can't do it. It's not there. I said, now remember that Peter, on the day of Pentecost, he was the, the introducer of the apostolic age. And he told them all to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise isn't to you and to your children. And to them it's far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, if you want to listen to the clucking of some denominational hymn and live back out there in the things of the world, then it goes to show that there's something wrong. Because that is the Word. Whosoever will may come. And if you've got a will, you should come. But if you have no will, then you're in a sad condition. But if you've got a will to come, come follow God's formula, and He never fails to fulfill what He promised. I once was young, and now I'm old. I've never seen Him fail in His Word, because He can do anything but fail. He cannot fail. God cannot. It's impossible for God to fail and remain God. He has to, to do that. Now, Pharaoh's army tried to impersonate because they wasn't called, they had not that life into the... The promise wasn't given to Pharaoh. The promise wasn't given for a promised land. And an impersonator trying to follow a real believer who's called to such only makes a mockery out of it. That's what's the matter with our religious system today. is too many people trying to impersonate the Holy Spirit. Too many people trying to impersonate the baptism. Too many people trying to impersonate the apostolic age. 
It's for believers. And that alone, God has made a way, rich in mercy, that His children would not perish. He's made a way for them. Now, Pharaoh trying to pursue on, he drowned in the very waters that saved Moses and his group. Now, Moses did not drown because God is rich in mercy to them who are following His provided way. Amen. Can you see what I mean? That tonight, people who don't believe in divine healing, people who do not believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, how can they receive anything? God is rich in mercy to those who will follow after Him. Not after a creed, but after God. God is the Word. It was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now that He might bring forth the other attributes of God. The body, Jesus, was the body of God, an attribute. Moses seen Him past the back part of Him. No man had seen His face, but now we've seen Him. We have beheld Him. See Him as a sacrifice. Now, see, He was an attribute of God being displayed, the Word. That's what He was. And when any believer comes to God, he becomes God's attribute of His Word. He's used to manifest the Word that's promised for that day. That's right. God, rich in mercy, has never left us without a testimony. He's rich in mercy. We find out that God was so merciful to Moses out there in that uh, Dead Sea. Out in the uh, Red Sea out there, rather. Then when he said here in Exodus 19, 4, he said, I carried you away on eagle's wings, brought you to myself, carried them on eagle's wings, and brought you to myself. There was other man in the middle of that sea out there also, trying to impersonate, but what? He carried them on eagle's wings. Now, God always likens his prophets to eagles. And what was it? Moses was his messenger. And they were following Moses, and that was the eagle's wings that they were carried on because he was packing God's message. And the people followed that. They were following God as they followed Moses with his message of deliverance. And the Bible said that they perished not with them who believed not. Because God was rich in mercy to them because they were following His commandments. God wants us to follow His commandments. We could say the same about Korah and about Dathan and their gang of unbelieving uh, people as they tried uh, to impersonate. They tried to, to inflict something into God's program. They didn't like a one-man program. They didn't like that. They had to have something to do. Korah said, well, there's more holy man than you, Moses. You act like you're the only beach on the, or the only pebble on the beach, rather. And said, I, I, you oughtn't to do that. And there's more man here. And Moses knew that he was to carry those children over into the promised land because Amen. the promise was given to him. Yeah. And he must pack them to the promised land. And today, the Holy Spirit is here to vindicate God's Word. And that's the eagle wing that we're supposed to ride on. Not some man-made theology, but we are to ride upon the wings of the eagle to the promised land. 
And here they was going to get a bunch of chickens out there, Korah thought, you know, to come around and impersonate this, the eagle. And when they did, God said, separate yourself from them. And he swallowed up the world. He would have swallowed up the whole thing, the whole creation. But God was rich in mercy to those who are trying to follow his word. Always. God, rich in mercy. Many of them come over on the side with Moses and God opened up the earth and swallowed up the unbeliever. He, the, the unbeliever will always perish. Those who did not believe, though they come out and walk for a while. But they, Jesus said there are everyone dead. Dead is annihilation. They are dead. Just think of them. They come out, seen the miracles of God, seen the great hand of God, enjoyed the manna, and got out there and listened to a man named Balaam that perverted the way of God by his teaching. Contrary to the word. We're all brethren, so let's just all get together. That's a, another Balaam system rising Amen. up today. Amen. Let's all get together. It will not work. Amen. Let's walk with the eagle. Amen. Jehovah eagle. Your eaglets. There's only three saved out of the entire group. Moses, Caleb, and Joshua. The rest of them perished in the wilderness. Jesus said so in St. John the 6th chapter. God in mercy would not let them perish because with the rest of the unbelievers, they all died right there in the wilderness and they are dead. God saved Moses and the eagle believers because if they had respect to his word. And today, friend, the only way that we can ever have favor with God, God's rich in mercy today, but we've got to respect what he said about it. You just can't take what somebody else said. You've got to take what God said. He said, let every man's word be a lie and mine truth. Today we're told that all you have to do in many places is join church. Have a creed or something like that or say a prayer or put your name on a book or be a sprinkled or baptized a certain way or something like that. That's all you have to do. But that's wrong. To be an eagle of God, you've got to follow the Word day by day. You've got to continue to feed upon the Word. Now, we find them after this time murmuring again, weakened in faith after God had showed mercy to them. And we find them murmuring with God. And when they did, they were dying with snake bites. Well, they deserved it. They certainly did. Anybody that was a good Take God's word and do these things that they did. They deserve to die. Every one of them deserve to die in the wilderness. But when they were so sick that even Dr. Moses and none of them could do anything about it. And they were dying by the thousands. But God, rich in mercy, He made a way of escape for those who would believe Him. He made an antidote for it by sending up a brass serpent. God in His rich God made a way of escape so His believing children could be healed. God's interested in everything that's wrong, everything that you're anticipating in, every walk of life. God is interested in you. You are His child. And He's rich in mercy. He wants to do for you. The people sin later by taking this same thing that God had made a 
an atonement for them by the brass serpent, which represented sin already judged, and they idolized that gift. And that sinned again. God will not share His glory with nobody. Therefore, we can't have no two, three, four gods. There's only one God. He'll not share His glory with anything else. He's God alone. So, as the heathens have many gods, we have the one God, and He will not share His glory with another. Neither will He let anything be an idol in front of Him, even though He had made an atonement for the people. And it was God's Word. It was right. But when they become to idolizing that, then they got in trouble. Now, that's just the same thing I think has happened to our church ages. God sent us a message of Martin Luther with his message, John Wesley, the Pentecostal message. But what did we do with it? The very same thing that they did with that brave serpent. We idolized it. I belong to this and I belong to that. You see, you belong to something without the sincerity that's connected with genuine godly worship of the Word. What happened? The Bible, we're told in the Bible that the prophet took that idol and destroyed it. Hallelujah! What we need on the scene today is a prophet that will destroy the idol of denominations that thinks they're going into heaven upon belonging to some creed or denomination. Needs to be destroyed, burned up, thrown away. God is full of mercy. He's rich in mercy. In the day that when we would have all been in that chaos of darkness out there, but God, rich in mercy, has sent us the real, genuine Holy Ghost with His own interpretation to it right here in the building every night. God, rich in His mercy. How wonderful we find Him to be. Yes, sir. Now, all they thought they could do was to just go to this snake or this little uh, thing that God had made out there, had Moses make and hang on a pole, and they could be healed without any sincerity. They just stood and looked at it, and they've got to idolize it, and God sent a prophet along and destroyed it. Now, all that refused to look at that serpent in the wilderness, they perished. Now, God makes a way, but if you refuse to look at it, if you'll sit across the street, if you'll hold on to some creed and refuse to look straight into the Word and see whether it's right or not, all that refuse to look, they perished. And God is an ever-changing God. And all who refuse to look perished. So is it today, the same thing. Then the people sin later, and as they've always did, and made the idol out of, out of it, making it a, uh, a get, trying to get a healing without sincerity, and they belong to something the way we do today. And now we see then the difference of it was that God, it was a good atonement, a good sign for that time. That time. It was all right. But it was just to be for that time, for that journey. That's all it will work for, that journey. And the message that Martin Luther brought of justification was all right for Luther's age. That's as far as it went. Sanctification was fine in Wesley's age. That's as far as it went. Then we come into the Pentecostal age. And the restoration of the gifts is a very fine thing. 
It was fine in the age, but we're going beyond that now. We're beyond that. This assures as a world we've got to become beyond this thing. Because we have done the same thing with it that they did before. Make an idol out of it. I belong to this order of it. I belong to that order of it. God will send somebody that will smash the thing and tear it to pieces and confirm His Word. The full Word. Notice. Praise be to God. Amen. Now, we see that that's true. God, rich in His mercy. Then, when the prophet destroyed this, it left them without any sign of healing, of an atonement, because their idol was destroyed. But God, rich in mercy, made them another one. And what did He do that? He troubled water at the pool, at the temple. And many come and was uh, healed by stepping into this water. Jesus came down to this same pool and saw a man who had been laying there for a number of years uh, waiting for the troubling of the water. See, God, rich in mercy, although they idolized that thing, although the prophet had to tear it up, God made another way for them because he's rich in mercy. He wants them to be healed. And he made a way for their healing. Now, then that went on. The world become more sinful and more sinful all the time. And finally, the world got so sinful that God could have destroyed it. He said in Malachi 4, unless I come and to smite the earth with a curse. He could have done it. Just a question. But then, God, rich in mercy, He sent forth a Savior, Jesus Christ. He sent forth Jesus to be both Savior and Healer. For he said, as Moses lifted up the brass serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up for the same purpose. He, the atonement, that's what we have claim upon. Nothing but the atonement. What Jesus purchased by his blood, that's what we have claims upon. And the Bible said, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes, we were healed. That's what we can claim because that's what the atonement that we stand for ordered for us. God, rich in mercy. This was to be an eternal atonement because He came Himself. God came Himself in the form of sinful flesh to make a, 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 an eternal atonement and suffered in the flesh and made the atonement and returned back in the form of the Holy Ghost to confirm that atonement. Where no brass serpent and no troubles water could do it, it all pointed to that perfect atonement. God, rich in His mercy, has did this. Now, today, being it's the day that we're living in, we have come through these church ages and explained everything away from that. Our theologians of the day has far lost that side of it. They explained it all the way to some other day, some other age, some other something, way back from long ago. And divine healing was just about played out. Hardly found anybody who would believe it. They made fun of it. Not no more than about 20 years ago. They were making fun of it. The Pentecostals had practically got away from it. They started in the early days, but they got away from it. Look how they did. Now they got denominational wild, running out to make them each a creed and so forth, except instead of accepting light 
As light come in, they organized and made themselves creeds. Each one coming around, making himself a doctrine and staying in that doctrine. And then they got so much tuck away till the Holy Spirit couldn't get into the church. They just become another idol, like a brass serpent. They become an idolatry. Every fellow said, I am belong to this and I belong to that. It was an idolatry. What a mess we were in at the end time. But God, rich in His mercy, has sent back the Holy Spirit upon us and vindicating His Word tonight as He promised He would do. God promised He would do these things. Look what He did. Look what He did. How now we can see how He promised each age a certain thing to happen. And we find out that it happened just exactly like it. And He said that He would do because He's rich in His mercy to always have mercy to fulfill every word that He has promised. He has to do it and always in order to stay God. Always He does this. His word always comes to pass in its season. His seed that He has sowed into the earth. What did He do? He put it here in the word. And that's a seed. And every time the age comes along, that seed ripens up. And then uh, reformation comes forth. And He promised it, and it does that. Now, we did not deserve these things. We did not deserve these blessings of God. Because we had went out after the things of the world. One in the era of Cain. Cain building a nice altar and a nice church and putting flowers up on it and thought that's exactly what it was. It was a bunch of apples or pears or pomegranates or whatever it was that his father and mother had eaten in the Garden of Eden and run them out. And so he offered that back to God and God rejected it. But Abel, by faith, offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than came. And today the Bible said in Jude that they have run in the way of Cain, perished in the gainsaying of Korah. See, running the way of Cain, building altars, building churches, denominations, making it flowery, big, more members than the rest of them. Taking in things, anything that come along and it jumped up and down or shook hands or was baptized a certain way or spoke in tongues or run through the floor. They put their name on the book. That's right. And then turn on the real truth that be preached and denied. How can it be so? Notice what a mess we were in. Notice. And the Bible said, and they... Went in the way of Balaam and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Perished in the gainsaying of... What was the gainsaying of Korah? Why, you think you're the only holy man? Well, God's all of us are holy. The whole church is all right. Ever, all of us get together. That's what we ought to do. That's where they perished. That. And we truly deserved it. We deserve to be that. But God, rich in mercy has pulled us out of that chaos and let us see it before the thing hits here. Rich in His mercy. And sent us back a revival of divine healing and the coming again of the power of God. According to history, no revival ever lasted over three years. This revival carried for 15 years. It's been a burning fires around and around the world. Why? Because we deserve it? God, rich in His mercy. Not because we desired it, or because we deserved it, rather. Just think of what it's done. I think of one of your sisters right here in Phoenix. Many of you know, Miss Hattie Waldroff. 
She had cancer of the heart. And she was in the prayer line up here when Brother Moore and I were here the first time about 15, 18 years ago. And she was dying with cancer of the heart. And she should have been dead a long time ago. But God, rich in mercy, sent His power upon her and He saved her life and she's living today. God, rich in mercy, Congressman Upshaw, a great man. Uh, I think he was the president or something of the of the Baptist uh, Southern Baptist a convention at one time, or vice president or something. He had done all. He was a good man. He did all that he knew how to do. He went to every doctor. Nobody could do nothing for him. He was bound down. Ministers had prayed for him. He had a gallon of oil poured on his head, anointing of different ministers everywhere. One night. Los Angeles, California, walking up to the pulpit, looking at a bunch of wheelchairs about twice, three times, the ones sitting there all up and down the aisles, back and forth. And then there laid over there a cop with a little colored girl and a little Negro uh, girl. And her, her mother was sitting by her. And my brother had bringing the prayer line up. And I was looking, knowing not what was going on, and I seen a doctor with tortoise shell glasses operating on a little Negro girl for a throat condition, and she paralyzed. And I looked around. I thought, where is the child at? I couldn't see her. After a while, way down there, no hope, lovely little girl about seven or eight years old to be paralyzed the rest of her life. And there was her mother down there on her knees praying. Then I said, this doctor operated on your little girl in the scratch. She said, that's right, sir. Then she tried to get the baby to the platform. They told her not to do it. They tried to quieten her down. By the time they got her quiet, I thought, well, we'll get a chance to pray for her. In a few minutes, maybe people right here was there that night. And I was looking out over the audience. I seen that little girl going down, looked like to a, a little narrow road with a doll in her arms, rocking that doll, no matter how much the doctor said that she was going to be paralyzed the rest of her life, God, rich in mercy, sent down the Holy Spirit by a vision. And that little girl got up out of there and she and her mother took hold of hands and walked down through that aisle praising God. Way back there sat an old man, Congressman Upshaw. Many of you knows his testimony. He had been a good man, tried all of his life. Sixty-six years, an invalid, in a wheelchair, pushed in bed, crutches under his arms that he walked with. Never no more to walk normal. And there he sat there looking on that. All of a sudden, I looked out and saw a vision. Here he come walking down across the top of that audience. Bowing his head, could walk as good as anybody. I didn't know who the man was. I said, there's a great man sitting back there. He fell off of a wagon when he was a little boy. Or onto a hay frame and hurt his back. They bored holes in the floor to keep the vibration when the people walk from striking on his back. I said he becomes a great man and he keeps growing greater. He's sitting in a great circle at the White House. And then this man come and told me, he said, that's Congressman Upshaw. Did you ever hear him? I said, never heard of him. And so he run a little extension mic back there and he was talking back and forth. Then I started to look around. I seen the old congressman coming, walking towards me in a vision. 
just as perfect and normal as he could be. God, rich in mercy, pulled him from that wheelchair and he walked without crutches till the day he died. God, rich in mercy. When doctors had failed, when science had failed, when everything else had failed, God was rich in mercy. The Congressman Upshaw. I think of myself as a little old boy. I remember as a, people call me today a woman hater. The reason it was is because I seen so much immorality out of women when I was a kid. I hated them. And I don't do that now because I know there's some good ones. But I remember how it was so bad, so immoral. And I thought, my, I, I'll never be around where people's at. I have no education, so I won't get any. And little old kid sitting there, not even a shirt on, with my uh, uh, coat pinned up like this with a safety pin, and it real hot. And the teacher said, William, aren't you hot with that coat on? I said, no, ma'am, I'm a little bit chilly. And she made me go over to the stove and, and put some wood in the stove, and I like to burn up. I, I didn't have no shirt that whole season through. And I thought if I could ever get the money sometime that I could get a little, uh, uh, get me a 30-30 rifle. I'd come out west here and live out here and hunt for the rest of my life. I didn't want nothing to do with people. Just stay away because they didn't like me and, and i just stay away from them. And then every time I'd go downtown to talk to anybody, see some fellows on the street I knew, I'd say, hello there, John, Jim, how are you? Oh, hello. See, they didn't want to talk to me. Didn't want nothing to do with me because of my daddy and them that made whiskey. And I, I didn't do that. It wasn't nothing I'd done. And I would have been that type. But now, I said to the wife not long ago, my wall is plastered with the best guns that can be bought. Oh, and I think of them old dirty clothes tonight. I've got two or three good suits. And no friends. I have to hide out in the wilderness to keep away from people. What's the matter? Is it because of my personality? Is it because of my education? No, God, rich in mercy, saw me in that condition, and He saved me. I remember being led by the arms as a blind man. I could not see. Everything in front of me was a bluer. I'd be blind the rest of my life. But God, rich in mercy, restored back my sight. I'm 55 years old and still got good sight. God, rich in mercy, is the only thing I can say. Once the church had no provided way of healing. They had one, but they turned it down. But God, rich in mercy, has sent them a gift of divine healing. That is the Holy Spirit among us confirming the word with signs following. God, rich in mercy. I have two or three pages here of these notes, but I ain't going to try to strike them because I'm, I'm conscious that it's almost time to start that prayer line. But God, rich in His mercy. Many of you here tonight, the doctors turned you down. There's people sitting in them wheelchairs. They'll probably never come out of there. They are there to stay. Some of them paralyzed in a different way. They would never, couldn't come out. There's no way for them to come out. But God, rich in His mercy, has provided an atonement. Don't turn it down. Receive it. There's men out there with heart trouble. There's people with cancers. If the doctors can do nothing with you're hopeless, helpless in this world. But God, rich in His mercy, has sent down the Holy Ghost and right here now to confirm the Word, to prove that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because we deserve it, because God is rich in His mercy. Amen. Now that's the one. That's the person. It's that Lord Jesus. 
He is not dead, but He has risen from the dead. And He's alive forevermore. And He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Still just as rich in His mercy as He was to the woman that had a blood issue. And she started through the crowd. There was no hopes for her. The doctors had done all they could do. She had a blood issue. She was dying. And she touched the Master's garment. God, rich in mercy, turned around and told her of her condition. And she was healed of this blood issue. A little foul prostitute went up to a well one day to get some water. No hope. She'd been excommunicated from the virgins, from around the people. Her life was no good. And she thought, what's the use of trying? I'm turned out. There's nothing left for me. But she looked standing over on the side, or sitting by the side of the well. And there was a man sitting there who told her all things that she's ever done. God, rich in His mercy. That same God tonight, just as rich in His mercy, and just the same as He was in them days. God, rich. I think we have 200 prayer cards out here, or what we called out them 200. We're going to call them and let the people line up. We're going to pray for them. But before we do it, that there be some newcomers here to get away from all superstitions. This is not a superstition. It is a manifestation Amen. of a promise of God. It depends Amen. on what you're looking at. No virtue in any man. There's no power in no man. But we as believers have authority. Amen. Not power, but authority. Someone asked me not long ago, said, Brother Bram, you believe you got power to do this? I said, I ain't got no power at all. But I've got authority. Every believer has it. If you refuse it, you'll stay where you're at. But if you'll accept it, it'll do the exceeding abundance because God is rich in His mercy. Take a little policeman standing out here on the street. His clothes hanging half off of him. He's just skinny. The, the cap's got his ears pulled down. And he walk out there where cars are coming down that street at 50 miles an hour. 300 horsepower motors in him. He hasn't got the power to stop a bicycle. That's right. But just let him blow that whistle and hold up that hand and watch the brake squeak. He hasn't got power, but he's got authority. The whole city is behind him. And when a man or a woman, I don't care what condition you're in, you've got the authority of God by promise. Because he's rich and promised to do the exceedingly abundantly. If you say to this mountain, be moved and don't doubt in your heart, but believe that what you've said will come to pass, you can have what you've said. You've got no power, but you've got authority. Remember when he told me back there, I said... You'll be able to reveal the secrets of the hearts. Do you remember that, many of you Phoenix people? He promised it. What He promises, He does. Now, if some of you here hasn't got prayer cards, no doubt. How many sick and don't have prayer cards? Raise up your hands. All right. If you want to know, not authority, not power, but the authority of the Word, the things that I do shall you also. Jesus promised in Luke 17:30, that just before his coming, there would be like the time of Moses or Noah, when they were eating and drinking and giving in marriage, and knew not to the day that Noah entered into the ark. He said to be that time. Then he said also, as it was in the days of Lot, and said, This will take place in that day when the Son of Man shall be revealed. When the Son of Man is revealed. In the last days, 
Now look what he, how the Son of Man revealed himself in the person of this angel, which was the Son of Man. Absolutely, Abraham called him Elohim. He was the Son of Man, revealed himself just before the Gentile world was burned. How did he do it? To the believer? To the make-believer, he sent two preachers down to preach to him. But to the real believer, he stood with his back to the tent and he said, Abraham. He was Abram a few days before that. But now he's Abraham. Where is thy wife? Sarah. Said she's in the tent behind you. Said I'm going to keep my promise to you. I'm going to visit you. Oh, Abraham was a hundred years old. And Sarah was ninety. But God, rich in mercy, kept his promise. They brought the baby. Because God's merciful and he full of mercy. He's rich in mercy. He keeps his promise. Notice, with his back turned to the tent, Sarah laughed and said, How could these things be? I'm old. How can I have pleasure with my husband as a, a young married woman? Why, he's a hundred years old. Our family relationship has ceased many, many years ago. How could this be? And she laughed about it. And the angel with the son of man with his back turned to the, to the tent said, Why did Sarah laugh? How can these things be? What was it Jesus said in St. Luke 17, 30? That in the days, like it was in the days of Lot, same situation before the Gentile world is burned up. He said the Son of Man will reveal Himself in that day. He made the promise that Malachi 4 promised us it would say a message would come forth that would restore the people back to the original Pentecostal message and with the same blessings they had on the day. What is it? It's a two-winged eagle, both New and Old Testament, flopping its promises together of God to fulfill what the promises of the Bible said it would do. Amen. God, rich in mercy, would not let His people go out this denominational rich in goods and things of the world. Lady will see in church age. But He didn't make a way of escape. Believe it, people. God bless you. Amen. God, rich in mercy. The mercies of God. That's the only thing that I desire. Not His righteousness. Not His law. But His mercy is what I call for. God, be merciful to me. We all have that feeling. I was watching. There's a little woman sitting out here on the end of the seat. You have a prayer card out there, lady? You don't? Let me show you God's rich and mercy. You've been real nervous here lately, haven't you? Real bad. And your eyes has gotten worse. Isn't that right? That's right. Now they're going to change. God, rich in His mercy, by asking you if you would believe this. Now you have no prayer card. You have nothing. But you don't need it. See, it's grace that's bestowed to you. There's such a little bitty fellow sitting right there in front of you, kind of a... Sitting right out here. He's suffering with a growth on his body. It's just recently come on there. Recently. Isn't that right, sir? That's right. You don't know what it is. You're scared of it. That's right. It was caused from a bruise, wasn't it? Have you a prayer card? You don't have no prayer card. You don't need one. God, rich in His mercy. Oh, brother, sister, believe God. Don't doubt Him. Believe Him. That's right. Here sits a man. Gray suit, glasses on. Look in here, sir. Do you believe God's rich in His mercy? 
You're sitting there with a hernia. Do you believe that God can heal that hernia and make you well? Sitting right here on the end of the seat looking at me. If you believe that God can heal that hernia, God will do that to you if you'll accept it. Do you believe it? Will you accept it? All right. You can have it if you'll just believe it. Have mercy. Yes, sir. There's a lady sitting out here. She's suffering with poor circulation in her body. But if she will believe, God will heal her if she believes it. I believe she's going to miss it as sure as anything. I have mercy is my prayer. If I could thank, see the woman's... Mrs. Riley, do you believe that God can heal that poor circulation? If you will, receive it. Amen. Just believe. God is good, isn't he, Stella? <laughs> I've never seen a woman in my life. But God, in his mercy. Here sits another woman sitting right back behind there, right in the back, looking right at me. She also, she's got poor circulation too. She's thinking about it just then. I've never seen a woman in my life. Being that this other woman had the same thing, look at me. Do you believe me to be God's prophet or his servant? You also have heart trouble. If that's right, raise up your hand. You don't have it now. God, rich in His mercy, is showing forth that He's alive here in the building tonight. God, rich in His mercy. Amen. Could there be how many sinners and backsliders would stand to your feet and say, God, rich in His mercy, be merciful to me. Stand to your feet. I'll pray for you. If you believe it, he want, you want mercy now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You. Backslider, raise to your feet. God rich in His mercy. Are you, you surely, you've not gotten so numb in this condition that you can't see that that's the very promise of the hour? Surely you ain't got so wrapped up in denomination and other things that you can't see that this is a promise of the hour? God rich in mercy. Ever who you was that stood up, I'm going to pray just a minute. I want you to make your way to some good full gospel church and, and be and be baptized in Christian baptism. God give you the Holy Ghost. Is there another one? Stand to your feet and say, Me, I want to be remembered. God, in your mercy, remember me. I haven't lived like I should. Maybe, God bless you, lady. I, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. That's right. God, rich in His mercy. Have mercy on me. God bless you, sister. Is there, how many more is in here? Say, I'll stand. I want God to know that I want mercy. I haven't lived right. I've lived this way and that way, and I've been up and down, but I want His mercy. God bless you, brother. Someone else, say, God rich in His mercy. God bless you, sister. God bless you, sister. That's right. God rich in His mercy. God bless you, too. God bless you back there. God sees you. Just stand to your feet. Say, does it do any good, Brother Branham? Sure. Stand up and see how much different it is. If you're really sincere in your heart, God is rich in mercy. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all might come to repentance. God rich in His mercy. Oh, God have mercy on us. Now, how many in here now that's holding those prayer cards? What were they? A's and B's. A's and B's. All the people's got prayer card A's stand over on this side. And prayer card B will stand up behind them. I wonder if there's some ministers here that would like to anticipate in helping me. If they are, would like to come up, I would be glad to have your, your assistance here for we will be glad to pray and pray, pray with you. This, the Bible said these signs shall follow them that believe. Yes, sir. 
In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Have we done it? By the grace of God. Not us, but God rich in mercy to keep his word. God. Now the wheelchairs, if you want to put them right down here in the front, we'll pray for them right here. We're going to pull them up through that, all that aisle there. Let's, all right, let them come right up here. We'll certainly pray for them, every one of them. God, rich in his mercy. Would you stand to the right-hand side now for a few minutes? Did Brother Brown come with you? Coming tomorrow. I, I, I was in hopes to be here. Where, where's Brother Outlaw? Where's Brother Fuller? Some of them people is up here with me when I first come. Let's come back. You remember these old-fashioned prayer lines? When we used to stand there, you'd have to hold me on one side and somebody on the other. I get so weak. How many has been in that meetings way back in the beginning? Look at here still. You remember back there, I told you that the Lord Jesus told me that if I be sincere, that these things would take place. Is that right? We never had such as that in that day. But it happened because God's rich in His mercy and loyal to His promise. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm so glad I'm one of them. Amen. Oh, my. There are people almost everywhere whose hearts are all on flame with the fire that fell on Pentecost that cleansed and made them clean. Oh, it's burning now within my heart. Oh, glory to His name. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. Oh, me a wretched, miserable, poor, blinded wretch as I was. And now by His Mercy is rich mercy. I can see the kingdom of God in sight. Amen. How beautiful is His commandments. Stand right over here, my brother, on your crutch. If you can't get up, all right, stand right here. We'll come right down and pray for you. And now that the A's and B's of prayer cards get lined up over on the other side there, and we're going to pray for them. Minister brothers, you are certainly, if you believe and laying hands on the sick, you come right here and stand with me on this platform we're going to pray for the sick. Now, to you people standing in that line, if you can believe the presence of God is here, that the Holy Spirit is in our midst now doing just exactly what He said He would do. If I had power to heal you, I'd certainly do it. If I had any way of healing you, I would certainly do it. I do not have it. I, God has given a little gift. I'm not much of a preacher. I don't have education enough to be qualified as a preacher. What's called a preacher in these days? When, the, when the exp, experiences must be a theological experience, and it must have certain doctor's degree and so forth. I can't qualify for that. But God seeing my heart and know that I want to do something for. Him. I want to appreciate it. A man said to me the other day, he said, "I think you're just a fine man, Mr. Brandon, but I believe you're sincerely wrong. You're all out of the will. Do you know you'll be condemned at the end?" And I said, look, I want to tell you something. I'm going to say that you, that you would be right, just to say for the argument's sake. If I am wrong, which I, I don't believe I am, but if I was wrong, and I know right now that I was going to live to be 100 years old, and he is going to condemn me at the end of the road and tell me, you don't deserve to come into my heaven, William Branham. Get out of the outer darkness. You know what? I'd serve him every day of my life until I went anyhow. For I have received so much of His unmerited blessings that He's more than life to me. He's everything that I, all that I am, all that I ever could hope to be. I have derived from His grace and mercy. I was wretched, miserable, poor, blind. But by grace, He has healed me. And I am strong and healthy by the grace of God. 
I have good eyesight. I have eat, drink, have whatever I have need of. He never promised to supply my wants, my needs. And if I am cast away at that day, and I know I cannot see where I would be, but if I knew that I was wrong, and God has chose me to be wrong, I would want to stay wrong. And because that I want to do His will, it's I love Him till I want His will to be done. Now, that's a big statement. But I hope you get it in the way of the Spirit I said it in. See, I want to do His will. I asked Him for something sometime. He said, no. I just rejoice so much about that as I can if He said, yes. Because we always ought to ask, Thy will be done. His nose is just as, if that's His will, that's just, it's a whole lot better than His yeses if it's His will to do it. That's when you really love Him. Amen. I get to talk about Him, I just can't stop. <laughs> oh, He's so real. So real to me. Friends, he's, he's all that I am. All that I ever could be. All that I ever expect to be is grounded in Christ Jesus, His Word. I'm thankful tonight for the witness of the Holy Spirit, for the message. I know it might some might disagree with it, but as I have told you, I'm duty-bound to a message. A sign went forth, and God does not send a sign just to show that He's God. A message, a voice, always follows a sign. Anyone knows that. Jesus come with signs and wonders. He was a great man when He was doing signs and wonders, but when He began to sit down and to begin to bring the message, I and my Father are one. Oh, my. That was wrong to them. See? But the voice had to follow the sign. Moses had given two signs, and each sign had a voice. That's right. I preached on it here some time ago somewhere on the voice of the sign. It must have a, a voice. To... It's a change in Always it's that way. If it isn't, then it didn't come from God. If a man comes out with an odd, peculiar ministry that's found in the Bible to be the truth, and that man stays right in that same old denominational doctrine, forget it. Yes. Nothing to it. God don't do a thing like that. That thing, that's rotten manna that's got termites in it or wiggle tails or whatever you want to call it from 40, 50 years ago. Still trying to eat that old manna that fell way back years ago. And the children of Israel on their journey, new manna fell every night. Amen. Right? You couldn't keep it over. We don't live over some other age gone by. We're eating new manna, fresh manna out of heaven in our journey as we go on. Let's bow our heads now. Lord God, you are so real. Yes. Your presence. I think of grace, Lord. We, we have just seen you do so many things. We've heard you speak with tongues. See you interpreted through your people. Oh, God, to see you heal the sick. Open up the eyes of the blind. Make the lame to walk, the deaf to hear, the dumb to talk. What a great, mighty God you are. And then to see that you promised this in the last days. Though we have many carnal impersonations, yet it only declares that there's a real God somewhere that really is true. And I pray, Heavenly Father, tonight that we will become so God-conscious that we see that you're here. And these people in the line, when they go through this line, Lord, we're doing this because that we made a promise to them. And you said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Here's minister brothers standing here. Man that you have chosen before the foundation of the world to be what they are tonight. You knew before there was a world that we would stand here tonight. Because you're infinite. So we pray, Heavenly Father, tonight, that as these sick people, crippled, blind, lame, cancer-ridden, 
whatever it might be, it passes through this line. May they realize that the very God that knows the secret of the heart will heal them if they'll just only accept it. Only look and understand. The man that looked upon the brass serpent just as a piece of brass, he never would be healed because he didn't have understanding of what it was. And today, Lord, the same. If they look upon a gift to think of that might be able to help them, they don't have understanding. It's only vindication of the presence of God that's sure to heal. Grant it, Father. May it be done in Jesus' name. Amen. I want the little pianist, if she will, a man or woman, whoever it might be, to go over there and play this song. The great physician now is near the sympathizing Jesus. If she will, wherever the pianist is. I remember one of my first healing services, Fort Wayne, Indiana. A little Amish girl sat and playing that piano. The great physician now is near, the sympathizing Jesus. A little baby was brought to me on a platform. It was crippled. And while I was praying for that baby, it jumped out of my arms and run down across the platform. The mother fainted. The grandmother threw up her handkerchief and began to cry. And this little Amish girl now, not knowing nothing about anything about Pentecostals, because she belonged to the Amish church, but she was playing. Her long hair fell down. She raised in the spirit and began to sing in unknown tongues and, the, and with the harmony of that song. And then piano keys moved up and down, playing the great position. Now is near the sympathizing Jesus. Amen. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, let us pray. Now, now let's everybody out there pray. You people coming through the line, when we lay hands upon you, Remember, Jesus said, if you'd believe it, you'd be well. You believe it? Now let's all sing now. The great Let's just close your eyes now we sing. Hearts to cheer, oh, hear the voice of Jesus. Sweet as milk in Sarah's song, sweet as on Father God, move upon the people. Son, oh Jesus, let said Jesus a great as you walk through now. He's here. Take my word, or you believe it yourself, he's here. Everybody in prayer out there now for the people. Sing it right with me. He speaks the king heart to cheer. Oh, Lord, I believe. Oh, Lord, I believe. All things are possible. Oh, Lord. 
All they believe, raise your hand like this. I believe. Here sits a man sitting here. I, reason I was extent talking. He's dying with cancer. He's on this crutch. There's no way in the world for a man to live outside of God. He's got cancer all through the bowels. Or he's going to die if it isn't for the mercy of God. And I wish I could just word of encouragement to this man. You, you know the doctors can do nothing for you now. You're beyond that, see. And you're, uh, there's, oh, you only got one chance. And that is in Christ. And brother, uh, I, you, I'll die one day too. You'll have to go if Jesus tarries. I've got to meet you over there. Stand there at the judgment bar. And this night, you know, like in television, television has picked up that every time we even move our finger or anything, it's on record. Every word we say is on record. Now, I see television has proven that. Now, television doesn't manufacture a picture. It only channels that a wave into a, the, the television. See, it doesn't make it. There's television when Adam walked on earth. There was television when, when Moses come through the Red Sea. There's television when Elijah was on Mount Carmel. See? But they just now discovered it. See? And now, everywhere I, every move we make and every sound is playing a record that will meet us at the judgment. Every move we make has got to meet us there. I've got to answer for the words that I say to you as a minister. I've got to do it. Because God will hold me responsible to it. Now, if I could, I'd make you well. Of course, you just got a little time, if not for God. Now, I've come down and prayed over you all I know how to do. Brother, anything in the world I could do for a man sitting there in that condition, I'd do it. And let me ask you. See, you, you, you are already healed because Jesus said you was. See, by his stripes we were healed. Now, if you can, from the bottom of your heart, accept that, you'll not die now, but you'll live. Now, see, now we know that television's coming through this room. We know that. We don't see it. We can't see it. Our eyes are not made. Our senses can't pick it up. It takes a manufactured tube or whatever it is, crystal, to pick that up. So is God present. We don't see Him. But we know He's here. Jesus Christ is the same. Look, He just declared Himself. How He makes Himself. Now, as far as healing, if He is standing right here now, He could do no more for you. See, not another thing. If the Son of God was standing right here, which He is, He's here. But he couldn't do no more for you because he's already identified himself here. See? And he's here right now, this is saying, to heal you and make you well. And that little lady there told me, said, you asked the blessing and prophesied or something over that she'd have a baby sitting in that wheelchair. And she did. She had her baby. Right. And now the little lady is sitting here. Now she had a garter operation and it paralyzed her. Well, we just see so much of that things happen. Now, little sister, I know you're a genuine Christian. Why God has let you sit there, I don't know. I believe maybe it's because that you have think you you trying to have faith to get out of there. See, but now look, let's just not try to have it. Let's just have it now. We just we just going to be that. That's all there is to it. It's going to start right now. We're going to get well. And you people out there in those chairs, whatever whatever you are, just remember that Christ is present. Now you say, is there somebody? You see, my picture is coming through. Oh yes. Even the words of Jesus Christ that he spoke when he was here on earth is passing right through this room. It never dies. How many knows that scientifically? The truth. Well, what is it? Then the Spirit picks up that word that's been written and makes it manifest. Oh, glory. He's here. He's right here now. The Lord. We just, we have seen so much. He's done so much that we just kind of, you know, just kind of stumble over it. If we would realize 
Not as some mythical something, some theological term, but the evidence that he promised he would show himself in this day. Here he's declaring it right here before us right now. What a wonderful thing. Isn't that wonderful? Now you believe. Will you believe it? Believe you're not going to die. You're going to live. And you're going to honor God. You're going to honor God. Have you ever been baptized? You're a Christian, are you? You're a Christian. Well, you want to live for the honor of God. Then go live, my brother. In the name of Jesus Christ, live. And sister, you want to walk for the glory of God and take care of your baby. Then walk, sister, in the name of Jesus Christ. You, every one of you, do the same in the name of Jesus Christ. Don't forget this Westward Home Motel here tonight. The presence of God identified here. He's no respecter of person. He only wants you to believe. Do you believe him now? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let us bow our heads now. I don't know who they chose to dismiss, brother. Come right here, brother. He's going to dismiss in prayer. God bless you.